morning, everybody. Well, I'm, I'm dressed a little differently than I would be. Well, it's pretty close, but uh, <laughs> um, I'm dressed a little differently because there's some baptizing going to be happening today. Oh, we started talking about this months ago in our eldership to decide on a, a, a time and a, and a place to, to offer for baptisms. You know, we you know, put the word out if there was anybody who, uh, you know, is a follower of Jesus, but they haven't been baptized yet. I mean, that was weeks, weeks and weeks ago. And then as the, as the day came closer, uh, I mean, we, we don't have a, some fancy in-ground in uh, baptismal tank or anything like that. So we have this, this portable deal here, this portable baptistry. And this portable baptistry, it's from uh, uh, portablebaptistry.com or something like that, somewhere in the States. And this thing you can actually take apart uh, into enough elements that it could fit inside a closet. So about like last week, it was George and me building this thing, first of all, because it takes a little bit of work to build. A lot of lot of sweat, sometimes blood and tears <laughs> to, to get this thing up and, uh, and ready to receive water. So we got that done, and then on the, you know, then you got to fill the thing. Now, this is, this is a little bit tricky because there's no drain in this. So if you make a miscalculation about, uh, about how fast the flow is to fill it, you could have a really bad surprise on Sunday morning. Just water all over the place. So we're all jumpy about that. And, you know, the water, if you, just, if you just try to say, let's say, turn on the taps full and let's just fill this thing up, the hot water tank would die probably about five minutes in, and then it's only cold water after that. So you don't want that because that's a little bit of a shock. We want the Holy Spirit to fill somebody, but we don't necessarily want hypothermia and, and shock. So... We found a way to warm up the water. And the thing is that the way you warm up the water is you slow the flow down so much that it takes 24 hours, 25 actually, to fill the tank. It's just a slow flow. And that allows the hot water tank to catch up all the time. So the water's the, the temperature that you'd like it to be. So uh, that, was, uh, that, was last, that was yesterday in the morning. There was Mike and I working hard to get the flow exactly right and to get the temperature of the water exactly right. And then uh, the lights were on again in the building about 9.30 p.m. last night, and that was me. I was coming in to make sure that nothing changed <laughs> in terms of the flow, so again, there were no bad surprises. Then in the morning, all kinds of preparation to do. And, and you know, Leah's going to be baptized today. So we took some time last week and, and looked thoroughly at what baptism is. So that was great understanding. Anyways, all I'm saying is there was a lot of preparation involved for this baptismal service. Um, I'm going to talk about, I'm gonna, we're going to open the Word of God, and I'm going to talk about a different kind of baptismal service. It was a surprise baptismal service. And by, by surprise, I don't mean everybody was hiding and when the baptismal person came in, everyone said, surprise, and threw them in the baptismal tank. It's not that kind of surprise. It's actually even more surprising because the people who were 
who got baptized on that day, and we're talking about, it could have been 20 people. Like we, it doesn't give us the exact number, but it could easily have been 20 people. Those people had no idea that they were going to be baptized. In fact, they probably didn't even know what baptism was when they were baptized on that day. So that's one huge surprise. When the people arrived or whatever, they had no idea that they would be the ones getting baptized, and they didn't even know about baptism, so to speak. On the other side of it, this is even, this is even a bigger surprise. So not only the people who got baptized didn't know they were going to get baptized, the people who baptized them, there's about seven people, the people who baptized them didn't know they were going to be baptizing anybody on that day. And in fact, if they knew they were going to be baptizing people on that day, they maybe wouldn't have even shown up because they, uh, they, they, they not only didn't think they would be baptizing the people who got baptized, but they were probably against it to a large degree. Talk about a surprise where nobody knew Nobody even, some, some people didn't even know what baptism was. And the people who, who did the baptizing, they, it's questionable whether they even would have done the baptism service if they knew that they were going to be. But God, God is full of surprises, isn't he? How many people know that from their own lives, that God is full of surprises? Yeah, I know that too. Lots of surprises. Well, the reason there was this surprise baptismal service that nobody knew about was because God knew about it. And he wanted these 20 or so people to be baptized. And he wanted these seven people to participate in baptizing them. And because God wanted it to happen, well, don't you know, it happened. So let's take a look at Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. Maybe you figured it out already. The, the seven people who were doing the baptisms, that was Peter and six friends of his. And the 20 or so people, or however many that was, that got baptized, that was Cornelius, who was a, a pagan, actually. He, he wasn't a, a, a Jew or a Christian at the time. Uh, Cornelius and his household and family and friends. Those were the ones who got baptized. Well, after that baptismal service, the big baptismal service, that was a surprise, Peter and his friends, they stayed there for a few days at Cornelius' house. And then afterwards, at a certain point, they found their way back to Jerusalem. And word had gotten out that this happened that Peter and his friends had gone into a non-Jew's house, a Gentile's house, actually talked with them, actually ate with them. And I mean, the whole idea of they, these, all these people became followers of Jesus and were baptized too. That was too much for some of the Christians back there in Jerusalem. So we're going to start out with Acts chapter 11, starting at verse 1. Um, now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles, that just means people who aren't Jewish, the Gentiles had also, had also received the word of God. 
verse 2. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party, now let's be clear about what that is. It's not a party. It's, a, it's like a group of people. The circumcision party, these were Christians. Uh, likely they were Pharisees who had repented of their sins after Jesus was crucified and rose from the dead, and they became followers of Jesus too. It's just that they were so entrenched in the way that they did things that they were pretty certain that the only way to become a Christian was to become a Jew first. So you decide you want to follow Jesus, so you become a Jew, and that is you go through all the rituals and everything that turn you into a Jew, as, as far as they were understanding, and then you can become a follower of Jesus. So they were called the circumcision party. So when, this is verse 2, when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him. Uh, the word actually means judged. Uh, they judged him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. That's what really, really bothered them because um, it, was their, it was their practice to show themselves separate from the non-Jews by not interacting with them, never going to their house, uh, not, not darkening their doorway. That's how they sort of understood being separate from them. So they were offended with Peter and his friends right off the bat, even for going there, let alone preaching the gospel to them because the understanding that the circumcision party had was that uh, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't for anybody but Jews. Uh, Non-Jews can never be saved. So don't bother. They're apart from God, and they never will be reconciled to God. That was their understanding or their thought. I mean, God never said that. That was their understanding. God actually talked about uh, the, uh, 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 the gospel being for all nations, talked about all nations uh, coming to the Lord. Um, so they were offended. You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them, verse 4. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. In other words, from the beginning. Whoa, just settle down, be at peace, let me explain. And he did. And the beginning, in this sense, had to do with a vision that Peter saw. So, verse 5, now Peter's talking. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Uh, he was in Joppa, which is interesting. Karen and I, when we were in Israel, we visited uh, the place, actually, there's a, there's a doorway of a house, and at the doorway, it says, this is the home of Simon the Tanner. Simon the Tanner? Yeah, the, the, the Tanner where Peter stayed, and that's where he was staying in this, as he's recounting this story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to me. Verse 6. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter, uh, he's, he mentions earlier that he was hungry uh, in an earlier narrative of this. So he was hungry. And there the Lord is saying, uh, Here, eat. 
Uh, but I said, by no means, Lord, because Peter noticed something. There were clean animals and unclean animals according to Jewish law. And he says, but I said, by no means, Lord, for nothing common or unclean has, ne- has ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven, what God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times. I'm on verse 10. And all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that, so in other words, this thing happened where, you know, God showing him something, and then Peter says, no, that's unclean. And God says, don't you dare call unclean what I've called clean. Now, that didn't bring understanding to Peter right away. It was the events that happened after that. So he got a, he got a vision, and he needed to, to kind of sit with it for a little bit to figure out what it meant. And here it comes, verse 11. And behold, he's talking, and he says, At that very moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were, sent to me from Caesarea. Uh, we find out, later that those three men were sent by the Roman centurion in that area. His name was Cornelius. And we know that Cornelius was a devout man. He actually believed in God. And, you know, I mean, he wasn't a Jew, but, you know, the, 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 Cornelius got a vision too. And we'll find out about this in a little bit. Verse 12. And the Spirit told me to go with them, making, oh, this is very, very important, Making no distinction. That is, all the practice that they had of showing themselves as Jews to be separate from all the non-Jews. When Cornelius invited them, the answer to the invitation should have been no. I'm a Jew. You're not. But Peter felt the Holy Spirit say, go, go with them. Making no distinction. And that's where it kind of dawned on Peter that this vision he had, where God is saying, don't call unclean what I've called clean. He wasn't talking about animals only. He was talking about people. Don't call people unclean, whom God has called clean. So here's Peter going and making no distinction. And then Peter's continuing in verse uh, 12. These six brothers also accompanied me, and we entered the man's house. Now, I don't know if he, like he didn't mention it was Cornelius right away, because I think it was enough for them to take that it was a Gentile's house they were go- that they had gone to, but a Gentile who was a Roman, and a Gentile who was actually in the Roman military, these are the oppressors of Israel. So uh, Peter called him the man at first. Verse 13. And he told us how he had seen, this is Cornelius, he had seen an angel stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you will be saved, you and all your household. Now this was a foreign idea to the Jewish Christians at the time, that a Gentile could actually hear and receive a message of salvation in Jesus Christ. But remember, God in his sovereignty chose the Jews. They were the chosen people. And then God in his sovereignty is saying, I'm choosing in addition. Yeah, the Jews are first. 
but there's all nations after that. In other words, no distinction between Jews and Gentiles when it comes to salvation. That's what God was, has always been up to. It's been in his mind and in his plan all along. And he was executing that plan and making sure the early church didn't have any weird ideas about that, that only Jews can follow Jesus. So that got dealt with right away. No distinction when it comes to salvation. And you know what? That's benefited, I think, the majority of the people in this room. The fact that, I mean, I, I come from a long line of non-Jews. And uh, we were without hope and without God in this world, except that God in his sovereignty decided that all should be, a, should be able to come to the Father in reconciled relationship with him, that all could be saved uh, by faith, but, but saved by grace through faith for good works. Amen? It's a wonderful thing. We're talking about a wonderful baptismal service that happened because God was making a point and that point affects us, many, almost all of us in here, anyone who's not a Jew already. Uh, it affects all of us in a great way. So he said in verse 14, again, I'll declare, this is, uh, this, is, uh, this is the angel talking about Peter. He will declare to you a message by which you'll be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them. So Peter was, he, he was saying basically, I was just getting started preaching. And then there was an interruption. The Holy Spirit ended up falling on everybody who was there. Everybody who was there. The Gentiles who were there. And this is big time. And then Peter's continuing in verse 16. And I remembered the word of the Lord. How he said, John baptized with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And then they heard these, uh, when they heard these things, verse 18, they fell silent. And then they glorified God, saying, hmm, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. Wow. What a surprise baptismal service. I, that, you know, it gets me curious. Peter's report gets me curious. Uh, of course, the answer is just in the previous chapter. And that is, Peter said, I was just starting, I was just getting started when the Holy Spirit came on them all. And what makes, what, make, what, what I wonder is, what was he saying? What did Peter start saying that caused the Holy Spirit to fall on everybody who was there? You want to find that out? We can do it. It's actually in chapter 10. So um, I'm going to, chapter 10, starting at verse 34. Chapter 10, Acts 10, verse 34. So Peter visits, he, he comes, he obeys the, the, the Lord and the vision he was given. After Cornelius obeys the vision, he was given by the Lord. So in other words, all the invitations to the baptismal service were sent out. <laughs> except it was the Lord who did it. That's kind of cool. Verse 34, so Peter opened his mouth. Now listen carefully. This is, what, this is why the Holy Spirit, or what happened when the Holy Spirit came on them. Peter opened his mouth and said, truly, I understand that God shows no partiality. 
but in every nation, everyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. You yourselves, he's talking to the crowd, which is the Roman centurion, his family, his friends, his neighbors. You yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee, after the baptism that John proclaimed. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all that he did both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. That's their word or their way of talking about that he died on the cross. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from, after he rose from the dead. Just sort of, let's pause for a second. Who ate, we ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. They were witnesses to the resurrection, the actual, literal resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 42, And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he's the one appointed by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets bear witness that everyone, 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 why don't you say it, everyone, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. What grace, what sovereignty in God deciding to do things this way. The Holy Spirit falls on the Gentiles. That's what my heading says for the next little bit. While Peter was still saying these things, in other words, he was preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And their hearts, it seems that the people who were there, their hearts were ready to receive, to grab this and to believe it. And they did. And the Holy Spirit did something to prove it to them all. When the Holy Spirit fell on them, it surprised the daylights out of Peter and his friends. And the reason it surprised them so much was because that was the exact same experience that they had at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came on them. No distinction. So let's read about that. We're almost there. Um, while Peter was still saying all these things, was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. Verse 45. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed. Uh, the, the, all the Jews in the room were amazed that the Gentiles were being treated the same when it came to salvation. No distinction. Because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles, verse 46, for they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. <clears throat> Can you imagine the surprise of the, of the people who were there? The, uh, Cornelius' family and friends, Cornelius himself, they had no idea any of this stuff would happen or could happen, especially to them. But it was because God invited them to this baptismal service. Then Peter declared, verse 47, 
Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who've received the Holy Spirit just as we have? I mean, normally when we baptize people, you baptize them in water, then you pray for them that the Holy Spirit would fill them. At God's baptismal service, what he needed to do it this way, I guess, he needed to prove that it was all genuine. So he baptized them in the Holy Spirit before they got baptized in water. Cool. It happens. It can happen. And that's what we're, today we're going to be doing that when we baptize Leah. Well, you know, she'll be baptized in water, and then we're going to pray for her afterwards that she would be filled with the Holy Spirit. She's had that experience already uh, in her walk with the Lord Jesus. So we're going to ask that the Holy Spirit would fill her afresh. And I'm sure we'll all agree in prayer as we, uh, as we do that. Um, and verse 48, And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And they asked him to remain for some days. So, brothers and sisters, that, that's the... The Lord Jesus likes baptism. He's not indifferent to it, obviously. He, uh, uh, when, you know, when Jesus was giving instructions to his disciples, he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. What's next? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey uh, all that I've commanded you. Amen. So, Peter, you know, they, uh, I think I mentioned it here, um, that they got the, oh yeah, verse 48 of chapter 10, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. In other words, you know, Peter's going, okay, we've seen enough. The Holy Spirit's already fallen on them, and it's no different than us, the experience that they had, what, what we were just shown. Got to baptize them now. So then there was a whole baptismal service that happened, as I say, by people who that day had no concept that they would be receiving baptism in the Lord Jesus, let alone baptism of the Holy Spirit, which happened first, and that the people baptizing them would, would be convinced that even though against their, the way they were thinking of things and everything about the way Jews and Gentiles are, and who's chosen and who's not chosen, um, that, that they're ending up baptizing people they would never have baptized before. So that's God's sovereign work as he uh, brings the gift of baptism to us. Now, we know that baptism, baptism doesn't save you. That's actually an outward action displaying an inward decision that you, all these things happen in our hearts, that we receive the Lord Jesus in faith, and then uh, our sins are forgiven. We, you know, all of these things are internal things. And a baptism is actually that, uh, just a beautiful external expression of what's happened internally. So really, baptism isn't some superstitious thing that, you know, that, that's when you're really saved. Uh, that's not true. Um, it's, it, but baptism is obedience to Jesus. <laughs> he said that to be baptized, if you're a follower of Jesus, to, you know, he tells his disciples to teach, to, like, to make disciples and to baptize them. So whenever, whenever people wanted to be saved, it was like, what do we do? 
Well, repent of your sin, uh, and you'll receive the gift of forgiveness, the gift of the Holy Spirit too, and be baptized. So that's why we do it. It's been happening for thousands of years. Where well, And here we are, the ones who are on the earth who are followers of Jesus now. And we're walking out the same things that the early believers walked out as we remember baptism. One of the things the Lord Jesus said to make sure that we do. Amen.